really big show. The host who doesn't realize this is a backdoor pilot for the Paper Cake Podcast starring Dale. It's Dale underscore A, the Paper Cake Podcast, episode 140. Welcome, everybody, to Paper Keg underscore A. We're a comic book podcast, and the uh, the two other hosts have ruled and made a decree that I am to direct this week's episode. My palms are as sweaty as uh, probably, I don't know, the day I met uh, Jonesy for the first time, <laughs> the day I got married. Uh, if you're a new listener, welcome. We re-review comic books in a roundtable-esque segment, and then we do a book club. If you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back and listening to this uh, hot garbage I'm going to compile <laughs> for the next hour. <laughs> this week's book club, uh, to ensure that at least our SoundCloud segment will be top-notch, <laughs> Joss Whedon, John Cassidy. Astonishing X-Men Volume 1 uh, Pants Off From this point on boys and Gals uh, So I I am of course Dale underscore A And to my left An unpublished writer Who's been promising Something uh, Hasn't promised us actually In, in years because he knows better, his face is as white hot as a as a dwarf sun, and uh, his name is Jonesy Loves Beer. Welcome, Jonesy. I couldn't be more excited for what I feel is phase two of Paper Keg, oh and that's complete insemination by Dale underscore A. Uh, my face just went as hot as uh, white hot as your. <laughs> Your newborn galaxy face. <laughs> to my right, the host with the most, the man you're used to hearing, and probably the only one you guys would tolerate introing because he's the expert. Slim. Slim, I, thanks for having us. I just, absolutely. I just want to mention that Dale has two kids, and at no point of his list of top moments <laughs> where he had sweaty palms were his children's birth. And I ranked above his wife. Oh. <laughs> Uh, what a delight it is to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no problem. It's uh, Thanks for being here, you guys. Um, so, it's been a big week, and uh, I was tasked with doling out comic reading assignments for our roundtable segment, which, uh, I don't know, we're, we're going to get into. Hopefully. Um, yeah, it's 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 been a crazy week. All new Marvel now, I know, has been taking up a lot of my resources, because I'm excited. Your personal time is mainly revolved around Marvel Now I, reading. I, yeah, Marvel Now makes me as excited as probably the first time I met you, Slim. Uh, my hands and palms sweaty as the first time I... I... Nay spaghetti. <laughs> uh, I, it, I, for some reason, I can't believe that this is the first time that Astonishing X-Men 
has been a book club in this podcast or its predecessor, the Comics Podcast, the retired, deceased podcast. Can't believe it. You know, believe it. Uh, what was it, Sunday night or Monday morning, Jonesy texted us and reminded me that I had to, that we were actually doing the theme show. And I, it's, Sunday night, 7 o'clock. It set in. It was like, oh man, this is real. I have to do this. And for the next 12-ish hours at least, I was pretty stressed because, you know, you know, I recommend some books and you guys mostly just roll your eyes mm-hmm. into the, the nether. Um, so I had to do it big. And I was thinking for a long time. And then I was just driving into work and I was like, you know what? S on me. I don't <laughs> think it. I don't know how it came to me, but it came to me in some sort of fever dream. And I was just like, I, I went to work. I confirmed that it hasn't been done before. I couldn't believe it hasn't been done before. Hmm. I dropped the bomb. You dropped the Joss's bomb all over us. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about it. I actually, of course, waited to the last minute. 7.30 on the train. Oh, yeah. Two Long Islands through, Powered through some Long Islands just permeating through my body. Deep, deep Long Islands, as I call them, when they're just, there's no kind of tea at all. It's just tequila. I'm going to... I'm going to pull a Dale A over here and just say I want to receive Jossus and Cassidy all over myself after reading this book. Oh, God. I can't wait. I'm actually very anxious to hear not only what you picked for Jonesy after you after Jonesy made you read that bestiality, um, <laughs> award-winning bestiality book, <laughs> right, uh, but yeah, also right. what you chose for yourself, Dale. This is this is this was your episode to shine, where you could re- do whatever you wanted, regardless of what I would say and judge you with. Um, my, if I could just throw out some guesses about what you picked for yourself, mm. um, I'm gonna it. say Hellboy, and I'm gonna say BPRD. Just gonna throw out my guesses. Uh, you. You could throw your guesses into one hand and crap in the other. And you see which one fills up first. Question to the host, uh, Dale. Was it like, where is Jake Ellis? Where Slim's Slim's voice was just constantly in your head telling you what you were doing wrong and how he would do it and... Maybe you should have some sort of strategy about how you're going to pick books. It's, I mean, it's very stressful. How are the how are the nerves? That's what I want to know. Nerves are running, but you know what? I was in the end because I there are a lot of times I think just like Slim, so I know what he's thinking about any one thing right. at any one time. So recommending a book, I just you know I was like doling. I'm like I'm just going to recommend books that I want to hear about because maybe I don't have a chance to read them or I <laughs> great book. By the way, you don't need to re- you don't need uh, any continuity to get in any one issue. <laughs> um, I just doled it out based on what I wanted to hear you guys talk about um, to kind of feed my need. Yeah, feed your needs for comics. Hashtag feed your needs. But uh, we got another hashtag coming out. Hashtag we're running out of tape. We got to get into this uh, roundtable. All right, and I'm going to start with every- what everybody's been waiting for: Jonesy's first book. I signed to him as I <laughs> as I knock my mic out of my face like a consummate professional, like some hillbilly consummate professional who's uh, never done this before. Thank you, podcast America. hillbilly Thanks, Dale underscore A. 
We might have to bleep that one out. Yeah. In post. <laughs> so uh, Dale, of course, went to the big two uh, when choosing my book. So I got a Dark Horse title. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, hold on. I know we don't give two crabs about the video, but I literally could only see your mouth. <laughs> You're so high up on that little stool stand you have. <laughs> This is like a teaser campaign for Death of the Family where they only show his disformed like face. He adjusted it so the glare of the TV wouldn't there be glared go. back while he plays the golden eye <laughs> reskin on his PS3 as he as he talks about this episode. Guys, guys, let's just It's okay. It's why fine. do we have to be hurtful here? Let's calm down. <laughs> All right. So, my book was uh, Dog Humper and Jane, a new title from Dark Horse. Uh, no, in actuality, it was White Suits, hmm. uh, issue one by Frank J. Barbier yeah, because and the e- Toby Cypress. The easy thing would have been eye for an eye, and I could have gave him some animal penetration book, but I rose above. <laughs> okay? I rose above. I, uh, I was hoping for some kind of animal relations. However, uh, what I got was a spy book. You know the um, the issue is about a amnesiac uh, ex secret agent who was kind of guided by this femme fatale character uh, as the world around him is exploding into violence and espionage by a group of I don't know like the losers type uh, team called the White Suits who kind of have their own brand of justice and their own agenda and uh the amnesiac character runs into the white suits and uh he you know he recognizes one of them and then the twist of the book is that um that the young lady knows who he is and she's gonna tell him all about his previous life uh potentially as a member of the white suits uh it's glamorously tropey it's absolutely a spy action book which i'm totally uh, on the pulse of now, and you know my best friend Dar- Dale here knows that, and he just spoon fed it to me. And let me tell you, this Toby Cypress art is Ben Temple Smithian in its absurdity and excellence. And I think even if you're not a fan of the spy action genre, like the Losers or the Boys. Uh, I definitely think you should check issue one out of just to see the amazing art and the crazy, awesome choices that they make in panel layout and, you know, how they tell the story visually through memory. It's really excellent. And uh, The White Suits gets uh, two thumbs up for me. It's a really a great title. That's cool. I, uh, I will definitely be reading that. Um, I got it. Because our boy Barbieri is on writing duties and, you know, coming off the high of Fabian Cortez, we couldn't not <laughs> include this in our show. <laughs> this, uh, this reminds me of if Fabian Cortez were a real character, and but the action didn't change. Like the over-the-top action didn't go away i mean it's definitely his voice that you hear in all this it's really really good hmm. i saw i saw like print copy in the office but i wasn't able to snag it to read myself 
I've been I've been seeing him tweet about it. That's all I got. All I have are tweets. You gotta uh, you gotta check out that Cypress Heart, babe. I don't know. I don't know what you just said, but I I I do want to check out uh, Frank's other stuff outside of Fabian Gray. Right. Uh, inside joke. I mispronounced the book title in the show intro. Uneditable with the music playing in the background. So ha on me. Right. Ha. If in you my want face. to, uh, you if Fabian Gray is actually a killer book, and uh, we recommend you go read it. Check out our episode on it. Check Amazing. out our podcast. If you like podcasts, check out the Paper Cake podcast. Yeah, you, you would like it, I, th- I think. <laughs> Slim. Next up on the uh, round table yes. segment. Thanks. Yeah, I'm here. What did uh, you read this week? You sent me an email. You know, I got the fabled email. I rarely get emails from Dale M. Andrews at Gmail. <laughs> if that is your real address, I don't even May know. Who knows? Be. play the guessing game with me um so i got the email said very nondescript your books eat s and die and one of them is the book i'm going to talk about right now little book called nova from uh my dear friend gary duggan i go i've gone on at length about his uh deadpool run Maybe not the whole run, but that good, the bad, and the ugly arc, boy howdy. Yeah. Boy howdy, man alive, brass tacks, you name it. Get your hands on that, on that story, right. please. Um, so Nova, I think it was 13.1. So the point one, or no, I'm sorry, point now. It was point something. It was, point now. Um, with a big flashy number one on it. I don't really know why. This issue, Nova is about... Uh, some guy that was in the Nova Corps, Marvel's equivalent of the Green Lantern Corps, except less lame. Uh, they got a helmet and they can zip around, <laughs> kind of invincible when they're flying, I think. Uh, so this guy, I think he turned into a drunk and his, his son finds his helmet, so his son eventually becomes a Nova as well. And he's, he's kind of on the outs with his dad. He's had a hard luck life. And... Um, so this issue in particular, something has happened with a dude on another planet. I have no idea. But Beta Ray Bill, very famous mm. character, Walt Simonson, drew him to the heavens. The guy that looked like a horse but was dressed like Thor. He's now in this Marvel Now universe and is seeking out this kid Nova because he doesn't think he's doing a good job. So they kind of fight for a little bit and eventually team up as is usually the case with two heroes. Um, not for me. Not for me, this book. I don't know what it was. It did not grab me at all. I don't know. I, I love the idea of Nova. I love the first issue of Nova that I read when it first came out. The I think the art was by Paco Medina. He did Ultimate X-Men when that was relaunched. I'm trying to think of what else he drew. Um... He's actually, his style has shifted a little bit so that he's almost mimicking, um, boy, what's the artist's name that did Siege? I can, uh, I always do his, his, his name in an accent. Uh, he also, House of M, he did, the artist. Oh, yeah. And, um, anybody, come on. It's a comics podcast. Three hosts don't know who drew House of M. <laughs> Was it, um, oh, God. 
Jonesy, are, are you listening to the show right now? You don't have any idea who drew that? <laughs> what are you even talking he about? He drew one issue of Uncanny Avengers. Olivia Copa. Thank you. Coppel. Olivier Coppel. So, and I say that because their styles have always been similar, but Paco Medina is like adding in the 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 dirt fragments around the characters like Coypel does. Mm. You know, just out of nowhere has no reason to be there but looks cool. You know, just little like dots of dirt and Paco Medina's doing that a little bit. I don't know. The book maybe not a great point one. Even though I kind of am familiar with the character, it, it wasn't a good jumping on point for me. And maybe it's different for other people, but didn't do anything for me in particular. Your thoughts on why Beta Ray Bill was never renamed Thor's <laughs> Go. Jonesy's last show, everybody. Word is... Uh, I can't wait. Word is that uh, Jan Jurgens himself denied <laughs> such a thing. Um, did you did you read Nova, Dale? I actually think? did, Slim. I read Nova. Um, I wasn't going to, but then I had a little extra time sitting in the car waiting. Uh, to go get my kid, and uh, I, I, I think I would concur with you. I had higher hopes for this point now issue. I've heard nothing but good things about the first ten or so issues of the book, and you know, with Jerry Duggan taking over whenever he did a couple issues ago, mm. I was like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is a a good jumping on point, and it just felt a little. Like forced, it felt like a forced jumping on point because mm. Beta Ray Bill shows up and you only find out that he's peed off about this thing that Nova did, but you can only find out kind of what he did through conversation. There's no like yeah. flashback panels or no real meat to what he actually did, and it just makes him sound like. It, honestly, it makes him ta- sound like a total screw up because I, apparently he helped a supervillain. By mm-hmm. the w- by, the way the conversation is ended, it's like he just you helped a supervillain. What like you know, get away scot free with something bad. Yeah, and there's there's no like inclination as to why I would be interested in what that was. Yeah, like, they do yeah. reference it, but it's so vague that I really don't know why Beta Ray Bill is dis- is disappointed in this Nova. And there's no kind of like, oh, I'm interested in this, but they, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, it didn't didn't grab me and pull me in. And the, I've actually never really read a Beta Ray Bill story. Either so way. as like a jumping on point for me, it was also a jumping on point for Thor's. And there wasn't anything <laughs> that gonna stick. was like, wow, this guy's really cool. He just was like freaking me out because he had a horse head and a regular body. It was like unsettling to me. Yeah, I always liked it. I th- I thought Beta Ray Bill was the coolest back to uh, Joe Jusco and the Marvel Masterpiece set. Oh, Joe. Uh, mm. Beta Ray Bill was a cool character. I, I'd never read much of with a minute, but like he just shows up here and he feels forced. Like, I guess the supervillain erratic, like, did something bad to Beta Ray's people, but you only find that out in one sentence of the book or, or something weird. Um, it's it's. I think it's a cool all-ages book, and I th- I would hold out hope that you know, they probably like maybe Jerry got the I like maybe got the uh, the orders handed from up on high that this is gonna this has to be turned into a point now jumping on point. So you got to kind of work that into the story or something. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I, yeah. I enjoyed the Nova character, and, and to be honest, I'm not a Nova reader monthly, but I I did enjoy the original issues that I had read from this new run. So I don't know. Maybe I'll try the next issue. Maybe that'll be a little bit better. 
and the uh, th- the couple panels he showed up in on that uh, Infinite comic for Avengers versus X Men, where he was like, oh, that was dynamite, stellar, stellaring through the galaxy to try to make it back to Earth. That was that was awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Stuart Eminem. <sighs> My God. Um, all right. So next up is me. This week I read the Fuse. Oh. Uh, Image you. Comics, our boy Anthony Johnston, who did uh, who does Wasteland, hmm. and uh, Justin Greenwood on art. And the Fuse is, like I said, another image number one. I mean, they're just, they crank them out with, uh, with no lack of quality. And the Fuse is a future detective story. Sounds great already. Mm, love it Jonesy, already. Yeah, Jonesy's, Jonesy's at full mast. Jonesy just knocked his uh, PS3 off of his side stand by just standing up in this sideways flannel pajamas. Just How do you think I just fixed my uh, laptop display so you could see my whole face? I just leaned back. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm saying, my word, uh, too much. Lean right back. Uh, oh, I was too much. Okay. The Fuse is a space station in space. Very Doctor Who-ish if you watch some of the episodes of Doctor Who where a space station that's basically a floating world uh, floors and floors of people living surviving and a guy is uh, a detective is hopping up uh, to on a flight to the fuse and it's called the fuse because it looks like an auto fuse if you buy fuses for your car it kind of looks time. like a fuse um, his first day on the job He's basically, you find out, he's kind of like going to be working in the dregs of society, of what the fuse has to offer. He uh, he steps off the uh, spaceship, and there's like, uh, you know, a murder victim kind of stumbling around right in front of him, and he, the murder victim dies. And through that chance meeting, he meets his partner, who he's going to be partnering up with, which is like an old woman who several references made that she is past retirement age, but she's insisting on working anyway. And it's going to be a culture shock because this guy who is, who's worked in, on Earth, he's 28, he chose to be a, a, a detective, he, and he volunteered for the fuse, which everybody, like uh, the, uh, his partner, his new partner, and the captain are just basically just guffawed at the fact that, you know, you don't volunteer to work at the fuse. It's bad news, and if you don't have to be there, you don't. So he did it, um, and it's going to be an interesting story, and it's very procedural. It, it reads like a like an episode of procedural TV. The letters page that there there is no letters yet, but Anthony Johnson gets into the fact that he loves detective stories and he loves future sci-fi stories, and you melt the two together, and uh, it's a it's really cool. I think I think I'm going to subscribe. Oh, to it. Hmm. And read it monthly, it, but the the problem is, you know, with with all your image books is it's a fantastic problem to have. But that first sweet volume of like four issues is probably going to come out. So do I just wait for the trade? Yeah, I don't know, but I really like the fuse. If you like detective stories, if you like if you like spacey sci fi stories, um, I I highly recommend it. Hmm. I still haven't gone back to Wasteland. That's just another one of those. Mm-hmm. 
times we read a volume and really like it, and then yeah, we're going to read the next volume, and then never happens. I would. You know, it doesn't happen until like two you, years later. I think you should keep. I uh, read all the way through the first volume. You should definitely do it. First yes, volume isn't that what we did for the podcast? No, whatever comicsology sale. Oh, so like Is forty issues or so. Yeah, I haven't all read up to forty, but I'm like on twenty one or twenty two. I just get better every God. issue. I don't know how Does you do, he it. do it, people. I want, I want I had someone. To, I, had I want a scientist to shadow you during your day. <laughs> see if you even have a job. I want an investigation done thoroughly. <laughs> he just I it's like falling down. I go to a restaurant over a briefcase. There's an apple in there. <laughs> <laughs> also, read the comics. When you said the word guffaw, I realized that would make a great name for a podcast. Guffaw. That would be a good podcast. God, catcher, get on the logo right now. Flummoxed. Too late. You missed, oh, the, you missed the train. We like. Jonesy, you missed the train. I'll see you guys later. Uh, lightning round. Two sentences or less on a book you read, assigned by Dale underscore A. Jonesy. Daredevil. Daredevil 36. Uh... The greatest gift of all was love, and that's this book given to me by Dale. Uh, issue 36, the final issue of Wade and Somni's run, maybe? This is the most incredible final issue of an arc I have ever read in my life. Wow. Rebuttal. <laughs> Rebuttal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to arm wrestle Jonesy right now. <laughs> Mm, babe. Uh, rebuttal. Disagree. But we'll get into it. Slim. Robocop Memento Mori from Boom Studios. Journey into the mind of Alex Murphy as the Robocop process moves through his mind. I'm not sure how I felt about this RoboCop comic. Fireside. New Warriors, number one. A seemingly unlikely and unconnected troop of superheroes at some point are going to come together in this book. Unfortunately, New Warriors number one dot now will not be taking me along for its ride into Cape New Bonerton. <laughs> Astonishing X-Men gifted Joss Whedon our Lord and Savior, Jossus Christ. Thank you, Jossus. The good John Cassidy <laughs> on art. Jonesy, why don't you go ahead and tell us what uh, Astonishing X-Men's all about. Thanks, babe. I've already had a breath thinking about mm-hmm. it. Uh, Astonishing X-Men is a perfection. And it's the tale of Cyclops assembling a core group of seasoned 
ex-folk. You have himself, the White Queen, you know, he's a... He's giving her the, the B and the D pretty hard. Uh, and they have a new relationship at this point. Uh, Hank McCoy, Beast. Uh, Shadowcat, Kitty Pride, And our friend, Logan. Wolverine, Weapon X. Rounding out the team. And it's about the X-Men rediscovering their identity as superheroes. You know, geno- the genocide of Genosha has just happened. Uh, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. and the mutants are at odds. This is way before Avengers vs. X-Men, and you're already starting to feel the seeds of tension being planted here. And Cyclops realizes that the world thinks they're just a bunch of Magnetos waiting to happen. And they need to change their image and be heroes and save people, humans and mutant alike, and try to gain some goodwill back towards the X-Men. So they set out to do that. And as they're just about to debut, there's also a very sinister plot that uh, picks up directly after the legacy virus ripped through the X-Universe. And there's a secret alien race that is behind an engineered mutant cure. And how will this affect the X-Men's debut and their purpose moving forward? Gifted. So where do we go from here? I I wanted no I just wanted no to, to I was reading the book page by page. I wanted to screenshot the book page by page so I could talk about notes on each and every stinking GD page of this run. Enough said, right? I mean, Enough said, that's it. I think we should all walk out of the rooms hand in hand and walk into the sun as friends forever after reading Astonishing X-Men <laughs> Gifted. I mean, the you sounded facetious when he said the good John Cassidy, but let me tell you something. This guy was on... This was some next level S that he was doing in this book. Next level S. I mean, the covers. He was inspired on these covers. He doesn't do covers like these anymore. This was like Michelangelo. This is you know, this is him painting on that ceiling, Mm -hmm. that chapel. Yeah, he was Michelangelo Mm -hmm. of comic books on this run. Untouchable. Anything else you have you've seen his stuff? You know, in compared to this garbage. This is the poop uh, that Jonesy smeared on the walls the last episode. <laughs> power, no power. I, I just, you have to, please explain it to me, how it's possible for an artist to write, or I'm sorry, to draw such extremely well-developed figures and have it be so effing clean at the same time. I just don't get it. I do want to point is there, out... Is it, was it a robot arm? Was it even it his might have arm? Been. I did mm-hmm. read that. I do want to point out that this book was late often. So there, it was not Easy Street when this book was coming out. It was There were some late books. But, I mean, each page with Wolverine, his mask, the mask detail, his, his little ear, black ears, and how they hung off his nose and were separate pieces oh, from his man. costume... I couldn't believe he did that every every panel he did with Wolverine. The amount of de- detail, the the shade 
panels where, you know, some characters faded into black, the grain, I don't know how else to describe it, like mm-hmm. the first time you see Nick Fury and his one side is graining into the red behind him, my God. I, w- I want to share with you both what I consider to be the best page in the entire run, and that's a hard claim with as many beautiful pages that there were. Uh, it takes place right where Logan asks Cyclops which stage of grieving this is, and they're both, a, you know, Cyclops and a White Queen are in bed together, and Wolverine is perched on the uh, yeah, just the, the foot bird. of the bed. Just look at his positioning and just the the shading done on his figure. Oh my good God in heaven! <laughs> this book, I mean, no wonder they call. I mean, they call him Jossus because he put it on the page, and John Cassidy the Evangelist. <laughs> Uh, just spread his good word throughout the universe. Uh, this this is and look the ruffles on his flannel shirt are like real world ruffles that you would have rolling it up. I just I'm gonna go throw up for a little bit. It's, this is just amazing. There I don't know what it was if I don't know how, what the script looked like that Jossus wrote for uh, John the Baptist here, but I mean there was. The the pacing and the character moments where, I mean, it was just one person's face and they were reacting a lot or weren't reacting enough and then that kind of almost told the story. But there's just so many great moments where, I mean, probably, I know we'll get into it later, like the, the panel, the page that we all love, the four panels. Um, but when I read this monthly, the the page and panel that made me poop in my panties was where Hank McCoy did the DNA test and asked why why can't anything ever stay buried? And the pa- that panel where Beast is looking away solemnly and then the panel that takes up half the page underneath is where Scott is led to believe that they've they've <sighs> uncovered this cure for being a mutant by testing on Jean Grey, the corpse of Jean Grey. Like that panel is mind boggling. It's not even mind boggling, it's mind bottling. Yeah. I couldn't get over it. this that single page made me poopy when that when I read that and I couldn't wait for the next issue. Is is there any question now that we've read this book why Joss was selected to direct the Avengers? I mean, just this entire script is 100% cinematic as if these people were real mm-hmm. and Cassidy is the camera just painting the negatives of whatever he's taking. I mean, this, uh, there's no question in my mind after reading uh, Jossus, uh, our Gordon Saver, uh, that he, he was selected to direct the Avengers because, God, can you imagine if he directed this as an, the next X-Men movie? How about the uh, issue where Beast is think, is doing the test on it and is essentially thinking of using the cure on himself. And Wolverine oh, man. gets wind that Beast has the cure, and he's running tests on it to verify its authenticity. And he wisely you know, thinks that Beast might be thinking about using it. So he goes to tell him, he's like, we have to destroy it right now. The, the instant, this instant, we have to destroy it. And Beast hesitates, and essentially he's like, if you don't give it to me right now, I'm going to go through you to destroy it. And they kind of fight. There's one page where... I mean, the first page Wolverine shows up, 
he's essentially in the shadows and you don't even see his face when he starts talking to beast. And then there's like a one eighth, uh, panel of Wolverine totally in darkness. And he just says, get rid of it. And yeah. I mean, the just turmoil, absurd I mean, stuff. The, the turmoil between the two characters, like you can feel both sides of the argument. Like beast is a freak. He probably at times gets sick and tired of looking the way he looks. You know what I mean? And Wolverine, like, devout until the end like you are an x-man you are that above and beyond anything else and you have a responsibility to not even consider taking a cure like man and and in a way he's it's his form of like reverse psychology on beast he i mean it would kill him to see beast take the cure and not just because Beast has a responsibility to the X-Men, you know, but just to see Beast give up on himself like that because he's different. I mean, and the 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 moral ground that they both stand upon on their arguments are just like too fierce. It was one of the greatest conflicts in the book. I mean, it's all super amazingly great, but like the the personal conflict of that oh man and wolverine is just like so stern and stout about don't you go giving up on me when you know we need each other and like he it's not so many words he needs beast he didn't say that but oh man god damn (laughs) i want to talk about the scene just prior to that where cyclops kind of Trumps into the helicarrier and is trying to, like, I don't know, for the lack of a better term, like, uh, like ruffle Nick Fury. Mm. And I don't, I don't really often see a lot of good characterization of Nick Fury that make me, you know, endeared to the character. But I really liked Joss Whedon writing Nick, where he's like, uh, you know, get out of my face. You haven't earned that right. You know, the only reason you're here is because of the respect I have for Charles Xavier. And uh, Scott goes off about how nobody helps mutants. And Nick really puts him in his place. And I think, like, I kind of feel like the echoes of that conversation, like, through the rest of the book with, with the way Cyclops acts towards the team. Where he kind of goes out of his way to rein in Wolverine. And, uh, you know, definitely manipulates Beast to not take the cure and takes in her spotlight. And that's just, it seems to me like a very Whedon-esque thing to do is to set up a conversation like that on a T that's going to secretly pull the plot strings mm. throughout the book. I really enjoyed that. I, I thought that was a great, like, it's like something like a, like a refrigerator moment. What's that Hitchcockian thing where, you know, you're not really sure why the scene was in there until after you've read the book and you think about it much later. So that was really cool. I th- I think it's interesting the way you viewed that scene that like I think the characterization of Nick Fury was amazing but you almost act you 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 saw it or at least you explained it as you see it as Cyclops as the aggressor and Nick Fury being not the victim but the receiving end of the aggression but I I mean but I saw it as 
like like you said in your description like it's just some of the beginning of the Avengers versus X-Men and that like Nick Fury is a D-bag shield is a D-bag he I don't know if he's just he took that stance <laughs> because you know Cyclops came went off on the offensive immediately but they those mutants they aren't getting any help from shield yeah and you think about it what if, if this conversation would have went differently, could it have potentially changed the chemistry of the Marvel Universe if this one offhand conversation had gone mm-hmm. a little bit more to buy some goodwill between the X-Men and S.H.I.E.L.D.? Would there even have been an Avengers versus X-Men? And that, again, it tricks me as a very weedonist thing to do is one bad conversation sets an entire season's worth of, you know, bad ill will and, and mm-hmm. you know, bad stuff happening. I could just it sets the stage for whenever you read an X-Men book and you always wonder what they're talking about when they say, you know, they're they're the victim and they they're one against it's them against many. Like just go back to this arc and that the way Nick Fury handles and treats Cyclops and as Cyclops and a representative of the mutant population. I mean, holy crap, they're catching no breaks. And even at the end where uh, Fury basically forces uh, Abigail to spill the beans about Colossus's resurrection, like, even that's, you could tell it's too little too late. Yeah. Like the X-Men are, are not yeah. at all grateful. Hey, thanks for nothing. We already kind of figured half this stuff out. <laughs> yeah, which is, ourselves. it was cool that Nick Fury, like, he took the, he took the position of, you know, somebody's at fault here, and I, I'm just not necessarily... He wasn't blaming or holding the X-Men at fault. You know, he just... He was, like, trying to get some... Not help for the X-Men, but just shed the light on the whole subject. But, yeah, it was too little too late for as far as favors done. It was just, fa- matter of fact, Abigail uh, was hiding something, and he had... Absolutely. Had I mean, the mutants are barely a blip on the radar for Nick Fury, so it's interesting to see how he handles everything from like a hundred foot view, even though everyone's saying you need to pay close attention to this. He's like, I've got some S going on that this is really just an annoyance for me, this whole interaction. So just tell the effing truth before I shoot all of you. <laughs> the um, stuff. On this reread uh, a few hours ago, I actually, um, so the book opens with the X-Men suiting up and wearing costumes for the first time in a few years because right before this they were wearing the leather costumes and this was this was like the selling point they were going to be superheroes again but it opens with them investigating like a hostage situation with this ord character the main villain uh at the same time as the hope cure is announced i actually didn't understand reading back like what did Ord hope to accomplish with this diversion? Like, did he think that they would be reading or watching TV during the live announcement of the cure and they would just zip over there and blow the place up? I mean, what was the diversion for? My estimation was that, you know, he felt that, well, the whole, you know, break world um, claims that a mutant is going to destroy their world. And seeing as how the X-Men were the best of the best of the mutants he was kind of assessing what kind of actual threat 
that they were to Breakworld. So I think that was staged as a, and I think even Logan says, you know, this was a test and we failed. Right. And I remember, I remember him saying that and fast forward to the next volume or the volume after that, where you get into the Breakworld demise wasn't there a scene like in that volume where they have like this almost prophecy wall painted in rock or whatever and it, no, it looks like Colossus? Vo- no, that's the third volume. But wasn't that the prophecy of the one who will destroy the break? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess that makes sense. I guess that absolutely makes sense because. So he it, should have known who would do it. Yeah, that's a pretty major plot hole. Unless maybe he had never seen that statue or whatever that wall was or, or maybe he just never put the pieces together that that is colossus that there was the the call the tin iron man in the basement that he was torturing was the same iron <laughs> the man same iron that man. would destroy his home well planet. you know in that painting he's wearing his classic colossus outfit and in the uh <laughs> in the basement he is not so he's got shorts we, on. that's it yeah yeah he's wearing the red shorts god remember that action figure where you you uh, press the button on his back and his arms lifted up that weight, that 500 or that one ton weight. <laughs> God, those action figures are amazing. How do we want to finally just get in, get into the scene with Kitty Pride and Colossus? Oh, my God. Oh. <clears throat> Absolutely. Kitty Pride is, uh, God, she's, she's trying to get into a door. She's prying open a door or something. She's getting shot at. She's like facing these villains, and the villains just stop cold, the bad guys, and they stop cold, wide-eyed, thinking that, you know, Kitty thinks that whatever she's saying stopped them in their tracks or, or something, and little did she know, Peter Rasputin, standing behind her. Oh my god, I'm getting chills. Uh, loves. Lost. Reunited. She turns around to see the man. God, just that interaction where she has the she uncontrollable yeah, words where she's like, if you're if you're not him, if you're some kind of stand-in, if you're an alien, you know, I'm going to murder you. And she, he just goes, it's me. And she's like, I know. Uh, and and, uh, and the she's, she's so stunned. She's like letting, she's getting shot at. She's letting bullets phase through her. She's so stunned at the sight of him. He walks through her phased body to go clean up. But the way her, the look on her face, like her hands on her heart or something, she's just completely stunned. This she's frozen. Actually, I should have listened to this song the entire time I read the whole scene, because now I'm gonna, I want to cry a little bit. I mean, that those four panels, I'm lowering it now because I'm scared that SoundCloud might not like our Desiree use, but those four panels are absolute magic. Magic. I don't know. I, I'm super curious to see how that was written on the script. You know, if Joss wrote, you know, panel one, Kitty phased panel two, you know, Colossus going through her. I mean, this the the part where she just touches her heart is unbelievable. Yes. And you cannot have written a better comic book page 
period, the way that that book was written. And I, I can't remember when this book had come out if I was spoiled by it. Like, if I knew, because this book shipped with, I don't know if it shipped with the cover that was in the app, like with the the hand going through the, the logo. I can't remember if there was a, oh, no, I'm sorry, this the, issue yeah. this issue just had Beast on it. Yeah. But the next issue, or the issue after that, where they had the team on it, I can't remember what issue was, it was, and Colossus in the background, they only, pr- they promoted that cover, but Colossus wasn't on it. So then when the book actually came out, Colossus oh, was on the cover. Okay. Um, but yeah, I couldn't remember if I like was eventually spoiled or if I read it and I like pooed again when Colossus showed up, but yeah, he was out of comics for so long when the, when he sacrificed himself for the legacy virus cure, but man, oh man, nobody saw that coming. No, 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 no. Mm. She, she, and you just look at her. She never saw it coming. It was it's a spectacle to be seen. You have to read this. Guys, you have to read this run. You have to read this issue. And that's how they sell his return, though. Through her emotional roller coaster, it becomes validated. I mean, how many times, and even mentioning this scenario is tired. How many times do we see people die and return back? And, you know, Klaus' thing gets stuck in time or have to live the lives of his ancestors. Uh, you know, just a sci-fi. He was, you know, reanimated from an alien warlord. But the fact that makes it real and emotional is that we're seeing it through the eyes of, of Kitty. Yeah, you don't even really need to know that the history between the two. Because her, the four panels on that page sell it. You know they must have shared something. God. God, the aching. Desiree. SoundCloud. SoundCloud, I think, will let us because this is Desiree. They, they the SoundCloud the police Desiree. are going to listen to this episode and just be like, guys, just oh. this one time. I mean, it's also let it stand. how it's funny. We read this kind of Return of Colossus the same week that Amazing X-Men came out where <laughs> Nightcrawler is returning still. Um, but how great was the panel where, actually the whole sequence where Colossus reveals himself to the other teammates when Ord is like, beating them to all hell and they all see Colossus behind him and they just react with total awe after seeing him for the first time in years. Oh yeah, that's right. They're the, that's when they give the face like Wolverine, they're all like wide eyed and they're just mm -hmm. stunned. They think Ord is, oh man. When, um, I think Ord almost insults him. Let me see if I can get to the panel in question, but, um, yeah, here it is. He, Let's see, let's see. Do you think because you're made of steel that you can stand against me? And Colossus is like, I'm not made of steel. I'm made of rage. And he just, like, destroys Ord for, like, a few panels because this is, like, he's finally able to unleash the anger that he's had for so many years of being locked up and tortured. And one of the most bad A moments, too, where he's, like, Ord is pretty much near death, and they cut to Wolverine, and he's just like standing there watching, just like, "Yeah, this is great." Yeah, and he says, "Finish it, Pete." And like, he just like gives the okay, just just murder him right now. This like, is it. That, like that's yeah, he that's the his acceptance that he's returned, and that's like he's been down in the basement for whatever reason, and now he's back, and obviously 
he's got rage built up against Ord. So like Wolverine's that's Wolverine's acceptance that Colossus is back, and also let it let it out, Pete, because yeah. <laughs> obviously like he just knew he just knew in those fe- two pages he knew that the ma- that Colossus has got some issues he's got to work out, and you can almost and I think that speaks to the writing in this book too, because you could easily, any other writer could have added two other paragraphs from Wolverine at that point, explaining why Wolverine had said that. But you just kind of know that yes, Wolverine has been through that. He went through weapon X, but if you're a new reader, you don't need to know any about anything about that. You just get that Wolverine is just totally okay with you murdering this guy. He understands what you just have gone through and that's it. And, and I always come back to this run of Wolverine as being like the quintessential, writing of wolverine you don't get any speeches from wolverine you don't get any out of character stuff which you which i think you kind of get in wolverine the x-men which is great yeah it's a different version of wolverine but i personally love this wolverine and you this is like the claremontian wolverine where he only speaks when he needs to and when he does it's not a whole lot and uh, the, that's what you get. Uh, the, the he ref- really showcases. Sorry, go ahead. The, just the early reference of uh, like somebody just tells him to go get a beer for the night or something. He's like, "I'll do just that" or something like that. It's just mm-hmm. sounds like a plan. Yeah, my favorite that. example of that is in the next issue, Danger, uh, the Danger episode one, where they're like open all Manhattan, and there's like a dinosaur, so the Blackbird's hovering it, and there's these long convoluted thought bubbles where you know Kitty's like. You know, Pete's back, but is our relationship back? And how do I handle this? And Cyclops is like, well, you know, the world isn't ready for our team. And, and you know, Emma Frost is like, you know, I, I, I raid over a dead body or whatever. And then Wolverine's thought bubble is, I really like beer. <laughs> like, they just, like, panel to him and he's not really thinking about anything. Right. I mean, this is the perfect characterization of Wolverine. How about the fastball special? Uh, word the return too. silent oh, one. man 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 alive what is that you feeling up to it and he just says i am strong oh that's uh, that's the next page that needs to be hurtling through the air the wind oh, the wind just gosh. i mean that's that's a two panel splash page too wolverine looks amazing there mm-hmm. he's just right yeah you could feel the velocity i mean he could just see the motion in this still art of that page what a book me. There it is right here. What Let's just book. keep doing this volume. Should we do Dangerous? Should we do every Dangerous week? as our next and, book yeah, club? Yeah, every week. Episode 141, done. Danger. I mean, we could just keep on going on about this until the whole run is over. I remember, um, that's. I think one of those volumes is where Wolverine regains the use of his sight without the uh, visor. I remember him, there's one of the panels where he gets shot out into a space and you think he's dead. And I actually thought that he was like dead, and that was the end of Cyclops for X Men comics. I remember that. Mm. I, and I like the uh, just. I like everything. I, okay, guys, I I like it all. Um, I like Emma's. Uh, I like Emma. Like on this, I this is where I obviously I started reading Emma as a good good gal, but. I like her positioning on the team, and I like her humor and the tension between Kitty and her. Like, Kitty's like, my first day as an X-Man, they were captured and being tortured, and that was all done by you. <laughs> mm. And then it's just like, the tent that sets the state, like, 
that sets the stage for, of course, there's going to be some skepticism there and stuff. Ah, man, God, it's all good. It's all good. It just makes me feel like anything is possible when I read Gifted. This makes me feel like I could just, I mean, I don't care. I'm going to go get that astonishing omnibus right now. Oh, my God. You know what, Dale? Um, the mortgage people are listening, and they, they're going to let you this time because Thank they you, feel God. it, too. Desiree. We know for a fact that Dale's mortgage people listen to the show and are waiting for him to just talk about more Omnibuy that he's buying and shut him down. You know his oil man, this is propane man, is listening oh, right God. now, too. A piece of this. <laughs> Oh, about a month work. Gonna need about four grand. Astonishing X Men. I mean, anything? Any last words, Jonesy? Slim? No. Nothing. If you if you Perfect hadn't comic. If you haven't read this, you've done a disservice to yourself in America. Read it at all costs, costs, folks. Costs. Astonishing X Men. Gifted. We got your letters. No. I'm I don't know who's gonna. Farrington's gonna read them to you. We got some letters this week, folks. I mean, this is—it's been piled on. Jonesy and Dale, I will uh, gladly still do my part of the segment. I won't put, you know, Slim. I won't task that to Slim just because it's my my time to shine. If you if you need me to read letters, I have I to. We got a it. lot this week. I mean, we're I'm we're all hyper flattered the amount of letters we got this week. It was it was cool to see them just keep pouring in over the week. Uh, first up is friend of the show at under an anchor on Twitter. Hmm. Hey guys, just wanted to say that I love the last show. Makes me so happy that you brought the Garvey hackle back. <laughs> Gets me every <laughs> there time. There it is. I usually think the shows are pretty funny, but that last one was hilarious. I sometimes listen to the show while I'm reading in bed. My wife is pretty annoyed with me if I interrupt her sleep, so I try to be as quiet as possible while listening, but I couldn't fight back the laugh or laughter when someone said Jonesy had been without power for so long that he was drawing his comics with his poo on his walls. <laughs> that got a big laugh and also got me kicked out of bed. It was worth it. Jonesy, if you happen to be writing, drawing a poo edition of The Inherited, please tweet me some pics. I have really been wanting to read it. Seriously. <laughs> Lastly, I, I don't know. It's pretty essy. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Lastly, I was in my mm-hmm. LCS recently and overheard a hipster talking about how crappy an artist's work was. I took a look at the book he was talking about and was surprised at how harsh he was. Truth be told, I didn't care too much for the artist either. But it made me think, my God, as comic readers, we are so spoiled. Whether you like an artist's work or not, it's pretty amazing to me that these guys can crank out books on a monthly basis. It's so much work. If you really look at the amount of detail, page after page, that some of these guys are churning out, it's surprising that comics aren't $12 an issue. The art Is this Greg Land? Did Greg Land write this letter? The art in a lot of these book books is incredible. If 90s comics could be summed up as having huge guns, swords, impossible poses, and outrageous anatomy, how would you sum up the comics of today? Question mm. mark. That's a good question. I would uh, say... I would say Bendis. <laughs> well, you the say readers. that, but I, but I think you're right. I think it's become a writer's world 
where yeah. the writer almost takes precedence over the artist. That's a, yeah, that's actually a good. You built out on what I yeah, that's what I was kind of trying to say. Bendis, when I first read Bendis, when I got back into comics, it just like kind of blew my mind. The new, I just fell in love with comics even harder because of the way they were written for an updated sort of audience. Maybe they were just an updated style. And Bendis personifies that in Powers and Ultimate X or Ultimate Spider-Man, which were some of the first two books I started when I got back into comics. Jonesy, anything? Uh, I would say comics is the readers of the 70s and 80s are now the creators of the 2000s, and that shows in the majority of the artwork and stories. It's a presidential answer. That's England, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This next letter is from uh, first-time writer at K.M. Oliver on the Twitter uh, he says, hey, gents, this is my first time writing, but I've been listening since I met Slim at New York Comic Con, and I still decided to listen, even though he was snarky, and I love that, the show. Is that a real sentence in there? No, I had I had lived Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> this was the first time I set out to read the book club uh, at the same time you did, and I was glad for the opportunity. I think you guys were right on about the awesomeness of Lazarus. In particular, I'm glad you hit on the interesting dynamic between Forever and and the rival family's champion. I'm really interested to know how much more functional she is compared to the other family's models. It may be telling that Joaquim seemed to feel a little inadequate about not being able to eat the guava or mm. whatever fruit it was. Oh, yeah. Keep up the good work. I know you're not necessarily huge fans of the Hickman world building, but I hope you'll consider one of his books for future episodes. Cheers, Kyle Oliver, or at KM Oliver on Twitter. Great guy. Yeah, I, uh, I also was thinking the same thing, Kyle. Are there defects in the other Lazarus, and what are they? Are they like hidden weaknesses? Because that guava was just, you know, hit us over the head a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I, th- I think also the fact that it had me thinking after the show, but he definitely had that metal skeleton body, but I wonder if she does. Yeah, like he was an older model, maybe, yeah. or something. Or mm, I'd be curious to know how the other families, maybe they're all different. Maybe they're all differently <clears throat> enhanced. Uh, next up, friend of the show, uh, Stuart McPherson. Hi, guys. Here are a few questions for yourselves. Who is the person in the pick on your Twitter profile pick? So Do this we, is. I don't think we have a picture on our. Well, I, I think he's profile. talking about uh, Mark Farrington. Uh, specifically in the picture frame. Um, you see, yeah, th- th- in ba- we know for a fact that the Stuart has like jumped on board just recently, and he wanted to send us some questions, and it might be a good rundown of for anybody else who maybe jumped on board recently. The uh, gentleman in the picture frame on our album art and stuff is one Mark Farrington, rest in peace. Rest in peace. The first 101 episodes, he was the fourth host of Paper Keg, and uh, and after issue uh, episode 101, he had to kind of jump off board and and uh, get his life back in line. He bowed out and died. Yeah, promptly died. Rest in peace, Mark. He was our first and only black host. 
He loved. He was our former DC historian. I, at one point, he, I dethroned him and became the new DC historian with the New Fifty Two. He was not happy about that. Mm-mm. He one of the reasons the why he left. Might, he had yeah. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe. I mean, I, if I was a former DC, if I was a DC historian, and I was dethroned by someone who didn't care for the Silver Age of DC Comics. You know, <laughs> I I probably would skip out of town too. Sure. I could be honest with you. Sure. Um, back in the day, we used to do the show, you know, local, and then when we went remote, maybe you don't know that we're doing this remotely right now. Who knows? I don't know what you think right now. Um, he would sit next to Jonesy on that couch of his. If you're watching the awful YouTube videos that we do every week, uh, imagine, you know, our dear friend, now deceased, Mark Farrington, he's not really dead, that's a joke, uh, sitting next to Jonesy, love supernova, supernova face over there. He actually died of slow radiation poisoning. <laughs> poisoning from Jonesy's p- pale face. Black Icarus could not. You can't get too close to that dwarf sun without <laughs> some sort of bad things what, happening. What was the the last episode book club that Mark was on? Do you remember? Was it the he, Mark was it the Flash? Flash one? Yeah, it was the one with the, uh, the time Barry travel. Uh, what do you call it? Time travel treadmill. Treadmill. Time travel I'll treadmill. What, I'll tell you what, is make fun of that treadmill as much as we do. That book was amazing. It was. Absolutely it was. Gosh. Oh, boy. What a treat it was to have Mark. I mean, I don't think he was He was on 101 episodes, quote. Yeah. Maybe 80 yeah. of those he was on. You know, he's a busy guy. 70, 60. Yeah. 50. Back in the early days, we used to drop hosts like it was nothing. Yeah. Sometimes Dale wasn't even on. Can you imagine that now? Yeah, oh that's gosh. I couldn't. I, was, I remember I was so heartbroken. Episodes three and four, I couldn't be on, and since we recorded twice two at one time, yeah, I wasn't on episodes three and four like a schlub. And then the first couple months, I was in and out of that place like storms were hitting my house. It was bad. bad yeah, time we used to record life. two episodes at a time, so we would go hang out for a few hours and record. Man. And I remember a few episodes, Jonesy just like. Didn't read the book club. One know, time, didn't even care. I couldn't finish Swamp Thing, and I have lived my life in shambles ever since. Uh, I announced the uh, the birth of my son on on one episode. Yeah, yeah Slim that. actually gave me a hug during the high five. There's audio that it that yeah, it happened. It does exist. Yeah, <laughs> and there's also audio that exists that I still need to cut out of when Jonesy flipped his emotional <laughs> lid on a guest host that we've known for decades and it was one of the most uncomfortable podcast situations you will ever see i need i keep reminding myself i need to cut it out and, and play i wish that you would one show i really wish you wouldn't that <laughs> is let, where the fable is where the fabled eat s and die joke comes from because right. jonesy the actually joke. told a friend a dear friend of ours <laughs> to eat s and die on the podcast, he in the moment, I might have been hopped up on painkillers at uh, the time. Classic Jonesy ex- painkiller excuse. <laughs> yeah, anytime something goes wrong, uh, I was hopped up. I had bad something. I was painkilling. The it was in reaction to one of those mild mannered things said to Jonesy ever. It was like the most mild. Ma- if it was a troll, it was it was a uh, a mild mannered troll. I don't. I think it might I not think even Mar- be a troll. Dave actually just said, you know. Jonesy, I really like that shirt you're wearing. Yeah. It was something kind of subtle compliment that Jonesy didn't know how to react. 
it was like a it was like a wild animal catching a scent of something that in, it like incites the animal to run or defend itself. That was the kind of troll smell. You know, that what called what a whiff the audience of. doesn't know is that that particular guest host had been trolling me every sixteen minutes on the minute on Twitter for months before that episode, and I had just hit my breaking point. I thought you were hopped up on painkillers. I thought that was that the reason That was also why. the case. It, can it be two things? Can it be two things? <laughs> right, yeah. The perfect storm of two things converging. <laughs> oh, God, I love it. Uh, the pre-show rituals, though, the wings that we share together oh, as friends. Yeah. Boy, the wings <sighs> of beer. Mark, Mark can make a mean wing. Fried chicken we had, pizza, you name it. We'd go down to Mark's basement and be watching Young Justice or some such. Sweating. 120 degrees in that basement. I don't know how we didn't die. What episode did I make the uh, the stew and the bread poles for? Was that 50? It was a couple episodes, I think. Mm. Also notable was Mark Farrington. Mark Farrington no longer has a Twitter. There's a kind of tribute Twitter in its place right now. Um, notable was Mark used to have this laptop that had, you know when you went to school, you used to get clear contact paper on your books to protect them? <laughs> Mark did that on his laptop, but it was like the worst job ever. So there was just like random plastic hanging off his laptop. It was an abomination. <laughs> we used to make fun of him for that. Gosh, great times. There's great times. There's definitely, we've, I think we've made up for it, but there's nothing like recording in person just to be able to troll one another. Via yeah. and look at facial expressions and and we should do a reunion show with Mark. Oh man, that'd be great. Do some book club that he absolutely hates because it's not DC. <laughs> Make it something about D and D or sci-fi. Yeah, occult. Maybe we uh, should do the death of the family with uh with Mark. I don't think he likes that run that much though. Exactly, exactly your, our point. I wonder if he. I wonder if he still reads comics nowadays. He's so busy. I think, he, I, I think he's still on the up and up. Okay. That's good. Letter sounder ended. My God. Or on like letter two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, first, uh, uh, next couple questions are by at uh, Dirty Stew on the Twitter. Worst comic to film crossover? I think the world would agree, Daredevil. I do want to point out I'm not upset about it because I'm not show running hour and ten minutes we haven't even hit the fireside yet Ooh, ooh. What worst blame the book no club pressure, Dale. I'm sorry yeah, I, the I book, yeah, the book club. That's fine. thank you for the apology finally uh, worst comic to movie crossover god do we have a wiki we can look at yeah it's, it's, it's comic book movie wiki I'm gonna google that right now Anyway, that's it. Oh, I got it. Nobody else can think of one while I look? Electra. Yeah, that one was pretty weird. Catwoman. I, I can only assume I didn't see oh, it. Oh, good choice, Catwoman. I might take it. 30 days of... Oh, I'm just going to go down the list and point out some notables here. Uh... Well, Batman and Robin. Not technically a direct conversion. Um, uh, Blade Trinity 
Anybody ever see that movie? Yeah, that was they had the weird mouths, the vampires. Yeah, I think so. Electra, Fantastic Four. Uh, Ghost Rider: The Spirit of Vengeance is supposed to be worse than the first movie, which I can't even Not fathom. Not possible. Not possible. The Ghost Rider that second one looked good from the trailer. Yeah, it did. The trailer um, made it look ba. Yeah. Let's see, Howard the Duck. The second Hulk movie. movie I really enjoyed. I think that movie is underrated. I don't think you've ever seen this. Is that the Norton one? Yeah. I've never seen it. What? Yeah. Really? Oh my gosh. Maybe that's my homework this What's weekend. Problem. Oh, here we go. <laughs> what uh what peoples does that make me hate? The French, the Australians. He's on the defensive on the defensive right here away. Go. What, 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 here we go. What stage of denial is that, Bub? Steel. It's about to Norton out on us. Oh, steel. <laughs> uh Tank Girl. I've actually never seen Tank Girl. What's wrong with Time you? Cop was based on a comic book? I can't I heard that. that. I heard about that, yeah. Hmm. Uh the other ones are just kinda Yeah. Uh, Wolverine Origins. There you go. All right. Well, let's we'll skip to the next letter here. Uh, this is from dear friend Jake Moore Peterson. He says, uh, "Fellas, I nearly crapped myself when Dale confirmed the enjoyment of Poop Office did not require knowledge of series continuity. Thank you for that. I'm curious about the introduction of Angela into the Marvel U. I don't follow the subset of the U where she has been placed." So I have no idea whether she is being well-utilized or well-received. In fact, I don't really care. Except that her introduction got me to thinking, in your opinion, are there any characters, primarily Marvel or DC, who have not taken hold in their respective universe, but with whom you think would be more successful with another publisher? Each publisher has a host of characters who fare well in a group setting, but aren't able to carry a solo title for any decent length of time, uh, for instance, Moon Knight, Black Panther, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Martian Manhunter, Hawkeye. Can you name five that are more suited for a change? Slim, J. Moore Peterson. Five that are more suited for a publisher change? Correct. God. Like more, Hellblazer. Five, five more than the ones that he listed, so I can't say Aquaman? <laughs> Correct. Oh, God. Five oh, yeah. from... Yeah, he yeah. Name five that are more suited for change than what he listed. I don't know, but you might not. If you can't, that's fine too. He named some good ones: Luke Cage, mm. Iron Fist, mm. Ooh. Uh, Nova. Mm. Get rid of him. Get him out of Marvel right now, please. Shang Chi. You say Misty Knight? That's such a cop out. No, I actually like Misty Knight. Uh, let's see. Moon Knight was already named, fortunately. I'm pumped for that new Moon Knight, though. Come off it. Declan. Declan. Oh my God. Warren. You know who I who I kind of like from DC? Deathstroke. Let's bring him over to Marvel right now. That's not Give bad. Give him to me. That's not bad. I uh, mean, you I probably... also like Doctor Fate. Oh yeah. You know, uh, DC historian. Myself. Uh, how many is that? Five, four, five. <laughs> there you go. Five. Thank you. You can't. You can't the fool only me, known, Dragon the Fro. Only, you can't the only outgame known, me. 
uh, only known winner of the the name five. <laughs> Dra- Dragon Fro didn't write that letter. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, who also, was it? not the Letter King. That was J. Moore Peterson. But I'm you sure Dragon Do we even happy. know Jay Moore is not Dragon Fro? Do we have any conclusive proof I that guess, those people aren't I the same? I guess analytically we have no proof right. that they're not the same person. Take that, Dragon Fro. I know you're listening. Um, yeah, I, you <clears throat> sucker. And, <laughs> my word oh. in heaven. <laughs> wow. That's the king of letter writers right there. Uh, I just wanted to hear, I wanted to hear what that the rest of the hosts. <laughs> I wanted to hear what that sounded of uh <laughs> blocked out there. Um I know Angela's hanging around with the Guardians of the Galaxy right now and it's kind of sticks out. Um I read the point one issue. That's the first one I read and since she was discovered back in those episodes ago, those issues ago. Um she kind of sticks out as like an outsider, but yeah, I don't know. Angela. Yeah. I I don't I can't get into those cosmic books at all. I really Doesn't like mean the point that they're one. not good. I just yeah. they're just not my bag. Same here. And last and final letter this week is a friend of the show, David Finn, aka, AKA Red Lantern twenty fifteen uh, on the Twitter. I'm gonna get a blanket and a coffee. AKA Stephen King. <laughs> Hi guys, no extract, no extract from my memoir, my memoirs this time, Jonesy. Just, I don't, bu- I don't believe you. Just a note to say this astonishing X Men run brought back a ton of fun and color to the X Men. I love the art and Wolverine's costume. I hadn't been reading and never realized Cyclops and Emma were knocking boots until this series. Sexy, Dale. <laughs> I know this is your show tonight. I hope you subverted expectations and turn it into a rogue Skyrim podcast. I could handle it. Keep the hits coming, guys. Regards, Dave Quick Note Finn. <laughs> <laughs> so how long is the PS? That's what I want to know. <laughs> no, no PS. No PS this time. And uh, for all for that, we are thankful and we are lucky. Thanks for the letters, guys. I mean, that's... Uh, PS, here's a link to a zip file that's my actual letter. That I want you to read. Do <laughs> you know what a zip file is, Jonesy? Guys, this has yeah. been Dale underscore A on the behalf of the Paper Cake Podcast. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Probably 45 minutes of this episode will be cut out because of length and time. Nobody wants to listen to an hour and a half podcast, let's be real. Unless it's about you, baby. Unless it's a. Uh, Patrick Hernandez on repeat for an hour and a half. Oh, please. Make it so. It's been fun, guys. We have a book club uh, picked out for next week? or I think it's dangerous. I think it is, too. You know, we've, uh, we've never done two book clubs back-to-back where it's been volume one, volume two. This would be new ground. If we actually did do Danger. How many volumes of Whedon's Astonishing X-Men are there? Are there only four? 
classic Jonesy shot in the dark number. Let's see. That's that's Bendis, Bendis math. Makes six hundred. <laughs> that was Bendis <laughs> math. Yeah, six hundred grand a year. He's got to make six hundred grand. A year. He's got like that. five kids. He must make six hundred grand a year. Let's see. Uh, Astonishing X Men. Uh, let's see. Gifted, dangerous, torn, and unstoppable. So four. Oh, man, I'm sorry. What? Can you, you reverse that? You were totally lucky. That was a <laughs> lucky guess. Could we get a... I mean, that would be... That'd be an experiment. What, to um, do all four in a row? Yeah. Oh, oh my. God. My. Oh, God. Oh. Jonesy's probably already done. That's why he's so happy. He <laughs> yeah, read all his volumes this like, week. He's like, thank God I sat oh, in my God. truck every morning. Let's do it. Let's do it. I don't know if my wife listens to the fireside. Shh. <laughs> I mean that would be whacked. That would be amazing. God, we're doing it. The download numbers alone <sighs> off doing four X Men books in a row. My heaven, one forty to one forty three. This is it. It's picked out. I will tweet Joss every other day <laughs> until I get a retweet. I'm coming for you, Joss. <sighs> what a show! So one forty one uh, Dale theme part two. <laughs> hey. All right, look, I am so mentally exhausted right now. Oh, yeah, the cover of Volume 2 is the cover I was talking about with uh, Colossus in the background. Oh, yeah. So there's a version floating around where he's not on it. To be alive. Fantastic show. Amazing X-Men. I I wanted to, I didn't even, I couldn't even save it for uh, just a measly lightning round. And I didn't want to talk about it from my roundtable book because I already talked about it recently. Amazing X-Men issue number four is is my book of the year so far. Wow. It's, it's, a, it's insane. Jason Aaron. Oh, man. Don't you just want a comic book uh, done in those flashback? in the flashbacks the way that he drew like young Wolverine and Kurt and oh and the Ro- bar and Roro oh, and Hank <sighs> give them an X-Men classics title just make them draw from the <laughs> oh, 70s man. everything I am kind of wor- I am kind of worried that like is Ed McGinnis going to stay on the book is he going to take a three issue break and then come back or is he totally done after this run yeah he 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 What's he on for like six issue of any book and then he's off? Is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's worrisome because it's good, man. His art is good in this arc, really good. Mm-hmm. How about that Guardians of the Galaxy trailer? Hmm. I liked it. I think it fits the tone of the book. That I, I've I've only read the Bendis version, but I I think it's really cool. I think. I hope. You know, mass audience is willing to accept something might be that's a little off kilter, yeah, off they, the wall. If they make money off this, then game over. They can put out whatever movie they want from then on. Yeah, Foggy Nelson movie, Netflix series. That that just print it. They could do whatever. Absolutely. Do you think it's gonna be a huge hit? I mean, I don't think. It will general audiences who don't know what that property is you can go see it could do like maybe thor numbers maybe i don't know i, I guess that's maybe that's what they're hoping for yeah i thor i'm curious Cap-ish. 
I'm curious if by before the movie's release, they don't have a trailer with some sort of crossover speculation in it to kind of give people an idea that this could exist in the same universe as everything else. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's more, more more than likely something that would happen in the last... <clears throat> the last after-credit scene of Guardians of the Galaxy, but... Maybe throw an Iron Man or something. Yeah. Tony yeah, Stark. I'm sure there's going to be quite a... Tony Stark and Gamora in some kind of hot tub situation. I just want to get into a hot tub right and then, now. And then uh, Rocket Raccoon pops up in between them in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Says some alien curse word. Mucklucking, tucking, mucknucking. Uh. Great show. Oh, Slim, you had a real quick. You had a lightning super uh, I rebuttal. We gonna, yeah. I thought we were going to yeah. forget that. I don't know how I felt about that last Daredevil issue. If I can be honest with you. I thought it wasn't was too good for paper. Wasn't there <laughs> any other alternative? Besides revealing his identity now, to look, the world. I'm going I'm to blow your mind right now. Spoilers. Oh All right. Oh so Wade goes to editorial. Look, guys. I'm uh, Mark Wade. Ever since. It, it, and then after that, he said, ever since Bendis did the best reveal of his identity ever, uh, it's been a wishy-washy storyline where no one has be- had the bees to make it definitive and they don't want to tread on Bendis's legacy and I'm not here to do that. So, but let's clear the air. Everyone knows he's Daredevil. Let's just make that fact and just have some fun exploring the consequences of that, the real consequences. And uh, we ha- that's how, why we're going to have a relaunch. And editorial said, you know, weighty baby, you got this. You, you handle it and you take the ball and run with it. And it's magic and Chris Somney should get the... Nobel Peace Prize for his artists. <clears throat> Agreed. Hmm. I felt like there, it could have used maybe another five pages. I felt like the ending came <laughs> no, right no, around the corner. No. Uh, too quick. Could have been an oversized issue. Give me an oversized. Let's, let's take our time with it. It's kind of a big deal. God, that conversation know. with Foggy where they're like, let's just put it all on the line. We've been here so many times and we've been afraid to gamble at all and I say we do it <laughs> I think he's Dale, already did you, Dale what did you think of that issue spoilers I didn't read it that's no. why I, oh god I, that's why I only no, what have the, I done no what have I done here's a here's a, you want a super confession right now and it's gonna sound crazy I'm so far you be, behind you don't even like Daredevil I'm so far behind on Daredevil and you know why and it's gonna change with the all new Marvel now Daredevil, I don't buy digitally, so I haven't read it in months. It's crazy. I know. Jonesy just simultaneously puked and went diarrhea. I'm saving it in a little pile, a reed pile. That's most of my basement. Are we talking about his diarrhea or the comics? (laughs) (laughs) It's my new watercolor. So let me get this straight. My new watercolor. Uh, you're a huge fan of Chris, uh, Chris Omni. You realize that Daredevil is the best comic being put on the shelves right now. Alleged. And you choose not to read it. He's ramping up. Here we go. <laughs> no, I'm going to ramp back down. Compliment ramp right back down. I got things. I keep myself busy reading other things. 
Right Skyrim, here. player's guides. What is roguelike? Someone explain to me what roguelike I means. Know. I saw That's a few why. tweets That's why I tweeted about a game. The word. I saw your tweet, and then I, go- I Twitter searched roguelike. I saw descriptions of games that are considered roguelike, roguelike and yeah. then I, I threw my phone in the garbage. <laughs> I don't. I don't. The, I tweeted it because everybody says it like they pretend to know what it is. Nobody knows what it is. It's a big farce. Hmm. Jonesy's Jones, the, Jones the Bond game he's phone. playing right. The second he's been on roguelike. his phone for the past thirty minutes of the show. Not true. Not true. Stop. Stop it. When does Halo 2 Anniversary Edition come out for Xbox One? Please. I don't know. Probably when Daredevil reads effing Daredevil. <laughs> when Daredevil reads Daredevil? Yeah, what did never. I say? Who cares? I'm, I'm, going, Braille. I'm going October, November, so we have until then, Slim 2. I think oh, I meant gosh. to say Dale Devil, but I couldn't think about right. <laughs> you want to hit stop there? Is that what you want? We can, we can keep going. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. What are we at here? Like we at the six ninety hour mark ninety yet? minutes. Oh, oh, good, good, good mercy, gracious. good heavens, good. And heavens. This is like four commutes for Don Garvey right here. We uh, we all caught up on True Detective. Oh my God! Yeah, no, can we talk about? Dale is not. We can't. We can't talk about it. We can't talk about it. <laughs> I'm sorry. We had a good run. <laughs> we had a real good run. And talk, I really we can talk need about to talk to another fan about the last episode. Take we can talk about this old house. Oh, man. Norm Abrams. Love this old house. What are you watching? Oh, here? You know, I discovered... Well, we, I watched the second episode of Sherlock from this mm. season, uh, which, I will, which I will assume Dale has not watched, so we won't <laughs> talk about it. And I realized that this old house is still on. 34 years that show has been going on. My mom used to watch that when I was a Ute. Was Bob Vila? At home. No. Bob Vila left in 1989, my friend. Oh, my God. It's a straight up seven. Norm now by himself. It's Norm and then this young buck, who's probably not a young buck anymore, and then an old dude, and then another old dude. Wow. I can't but, believe it's uh, still on. It's a, I mean, the production values of this show, they have this thing down to a science. They go to talk about this person, they walk 10 feet around the house, Mm-hmm. Talk about something else that's planned, and then I walk another ten feet. Amazing! So this season they're in the Jersey Shore, right after the storm hit, maybe a few months. So they have three houses they're watching, raising them up sixteen feet. Follow that process. God, I lost like two hours the other night just watching that show. <laughs> lost it. I love it. <laughs> lost it. Great show. PBS app. Check it out. I gotta know, Slim. We gotta mute Dale and talk about episode four. Jonesy, we detective. can't. We can't. Oh, man. Give the man some time to get his his affairs in order. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jonesy is reading willy-nilly 300-page comic books. He's watching True Detective. <laughs> I know. He when doesn't. is the when is your when is your life going to be under investigation and I could read the paperwork <laughs> about what goes on in Are your you life? Are you going to audit my life? Is that I need what you're an audit of your job. I want to know what goes on <laughs> at your job every day. I want to know what goes on at your house when you get home. What are your duties? When you get home with your child, uh, do you, does your wife say hello and then you say goodbye and you go to your den and you play Goldeneye and read comics? I want I want to talk to your wife. I want her to be interviewed. I want your son to be interviewed. I want Thank to find you. out what happened. My son to be interviewed because none of this is making any sense to me at all. 
Dale can barely even wipe his rear end. <laughs> he doesn't have time to do that. No, not without screaming involved. As soon as I shut the bathroom door and sit down with my pants around my ankles, there is at least two of the three people in my household screaming at the top of their lungs. It makes me feel like I need to intervene at any given time when I just need some downtime. Okay? <laughs> Dale's alcoholism would be accepted at this point. People, Alcoholics Anonymous would be like, you know what? Just we understand. We understand. Go ahead. We get it. Meanwhile, Jonesy's cooking himself burgers in the backyard. The kid's doing God knows what. He's got an iPad in his hand, and he's playing Goldeneye with his right foot. It's staggering. It's roguelike. like. 